You're listening to the Counting Lights Podcast with Chris Dubinay and Dan Danzy. Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up. And we're back with the Counting Lights Podcast, Dan. Well, dingle dangle. (laughs) (laughs) If you know, you know. As long as the streets are clean. If you know, you know. Uh... How's it going, Chris? Uh, it's going all right, man. It's been a crazy week, bro. Mm. Uh, I've been working too hard. How many hours have you slept this weekend? Uh, not well. This weekend I've been all right. Mine's so. been mine's like five to seven hours. Yeah, no. the whole weekend. Yeah, during the week I was killing myself. Uh, this fucking new schedule at uh, my regular. It's not even a nine to five. It's more like a it's fucking every day is a 12 hour day. It's hard to not get, go get that money when it's hanging out there. You know, it's like, it's, you, I, I don't have priorities some days, man. Sure. I just bang my head until I pass out and then I get up and go do it again. So, and, and, and you say that money's out there. I just, I get enough to where like, it's just like, okay, bills are paid. Mm. And then I don't, I don't try to get any. No, I, I mean, I try to get stuff. I try to get more in the stock market. I yeah. guess you could count that. But like, uh, mostly, I'm just like, hey, there's a fire. Let me add to it. Yeah, you like, know? Uh, you're right. <laughs> the uh, economy it, for me, like everything I do, it's it, it increases all the other goals. Yeah. And so it's hard for me. And then uh, you know, trying to work with this, uh, these these comedy shows, and trying to get booked, and trying to. You know, be relevant in the comedy community and all that kind of shit. It's, it becomes difficult. And in, in, in addition to, I'm the father of a 16 year old kid, by the way, mm-hmm. that uh, is going to be a sophomore in high school, and uh, just it's a good year. And just and just got uh, as a sophomore, just got put on the varsity football team. Fuck yeah! So uh, I mean, don't worry about that kid. He sounds like a yeah. Dude. No, he's in good shape, man. And if I could just sophomore year is when they kind of like figure it out. Yeah, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, man, this is like, this is a year, like, you know, as far as the football thing goes, all you got to do is go out there and get noticed. Mm -hmm. Just go out there and fucking get noticed. And so, you know, we have, we have, we got goals that we set for him and he tries to stick with them and he's a hard worker and he's a good kid. He yeah. goes and hangs out with his buddies and he's always home on curfew he's and doesn't fuck like, up he's too bad. He's a very and, nice kid too. Like, you know, yeah, I just strike a up a conversation with him. He'll, mm-hmm. you know, he'll have a conversation. Yeah. He won't tell you to your face. He thinks you're full of shit. He'll fucking thank it. Does he then, think I'm a fan? No, but I'm just saying in general. Why would you say that? I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? Because he does the same fucking thing <laughs> to me. But like, well, no, he's a good, he really is a good guy. he's able to drive, though, that's going to be like a burden taken off your shoulders. You're going to have a lot more free time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a bur- it'll be a burden that's taken off. Worry. It's a burden that's t- taken off my shoulders, and then there's a whole other burden yeah, that I have to worry, worry about. It. Yeah. So, uh, you know. And ladies and gentlemen, Chris Germany panics. So a little bit changed to the Dallas Elks Lodge uh, comedy show. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. The date's changed to September 17th. Uh, Jerry Wayne Longmire will not be able to make that show, but... That's why God made so many Whiskey Brothers. There you, you can't go. have one, you take another one. We're going to have right. Sam Damaris of the Whiskey Brothers headline that show He's along with kill it. along with Chris Germany, myself, and Angela Owen. That's September 17th, one show, 7 o'clock, over at the Dallas, eh, the Dallas Elks Lodge. What's the number of that Elks Lodge? 71. 71 over at Lulwater Drive, I want to say. Lulwater. Lulwater. Uh, that means t- toilet water in England. Sure. Right. Sure, that's a what a wonderful name to call the street. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're really excited about that. 
Um, but when Jerry Wayne had to cancel, I'm getting like three or four text messages but from you just in fucking full panic mode. Like, we don't have more than a month to figure this out. I know, but you know when you, 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 uh, you get something set, mm. and then you start doing all the work on it, and the work gets taken care of, and then you got to go back, and you're like, ah, fucking mm-hmm. get kicked in the balls. And, you know, so, listen, to... Uh, it's the fun. worst case scenario was me headlining, and then that would be the first yeah. and last show at the Dallas. You know, it's it's uh, it is what it is. Listen, luckily I got thirty years in the uh, entertainment industry and in the fucking worst business that you can possibly be in. I'm glad you say that. You know, so <laughs> you know other you know it, you 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 fucking the work in the wrestling business for fucking thirty years, and then uh, and then everything else seems like it's not so fucking bad. Yeah. No, and I've, you know, now that I've witnessed a little bit of the wrestling industry, I'm glad I never, uh, uh, like, when I was little, I had the thought of, like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm glad I never followed that. Um, it's it's just, I, that, uh, I, I, who was the wrestler? Jonathan Gresham, the guy who just recently... Uh, was just like, hey, Tony Khan, release me. Right. He says he doesn't interact with fans anymore. And then I'm reading these comments like, that little unappreciative blah, blah, blah. I pay I pay for his home, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And all, all I could think was like, I totally get it, dude. <laughs> dude <that laughs> totally fun. get it. We, you know, when we, you know, all those years being with Gary Hart. Mm-hmm. And, and not just being in the business with Gary, but actually being, having... Having an outside of the business relationship with Gary and like and his and his family and his boys and and uh, that uh, you know when we would go out in public and the angst mm-hmm. that Gary had dealing with the marks and then to see the way that he dealt with them on a inside wink wink funny mm-hmm. basis made me realize you know. It's a fucking it's it's a weird business, but you can learn how to fucking you can learn how to get by with it. But sure. I understand, like you know, you get to the point where you're like, I, I, I mean, I like kind of dealing with people after comedy shows. Sure, but know? there's but there's there's a certain quality in a wrestling fan. Oh God, and it used to be completely different. You should have um, seen it back in the eighties and nineties, bro. When people when more yeah. people thought it was real. Well, yeah, and, and it was just like and the people that did that thought they were on the inside that weren't. There's still people like you No. Know, it's just like and you and they say things to you and you go huh? I, I, I go I go you go, I can't believe that I work my ass off to entertain you people every week, and you just said that just came out of your mouth. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's like I'd like to think now with McMahon gone, and from what I saw last week on Raw and SmackDown, that maybe the fan base intelligence and uh, yeah, no, we'll just go with that intelligence <laughs> changes. <laughs> Because like you see that there's a there was a night and day difference when Raw started. Right. I Chris, I am not lying to you. In in total time of of micro in ring microphone segments and backstage segments, the total time in that three hour show had to have been fifteen minutes of segments and then the rest of it wrestling. Right. 
SmackDown had one of the best endings in years with a surprise that did not hit the dirt sheets, the return of Karrion Cross, and then his wife put an hourglass in front of Roman Reigns, and Karrion Cross is going like that. And Michael Cole, that Pat McAfee guy, has brought a lot back out of Michael Cole. Michael Cole was, like, doing this autopilot bullshit for 10 years. Okay. And then Pat McAfee came in. So Michael Cole's closing SmackDown with uh, Karrion Cross has sent the message, the clock is ticking, and then the screen goes to black, and you're like, what the, what the fuck? This it's is actually, great. You're actually, actually uh, giving a shit about it. I'm right? giving a shit right. because the biggest difference is Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. Right. They were pro wrestling. Huh. Not sports entertainment. I feel that Vince has made the fan base dumb because he dumbed it down so much. He brought back that early 90s people in silly fucking costumes not getting over and then being like, well, he's not getting over, so let's just send him on home. And now Triple H is, is, is in charge and Triple H guys are getting pushed. Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, won a triple threat, and then so there were two triple threats for the United States title. Whoever wins this and whoever wins that one faces each other same night. Tommaso Ciampa got the push. They're going to put respect on the United States title again. Shinsuke Nakamura became number one contender for the Intercontinental title, and the women are a big focal point now even more. There was a gauntlet match on SmackDown. You know how long it's been since I've seen a fucking gauntlet match? I forgot it even existed. That's how long it's been. And it was the women, and they put on a great match, and we're also seeing matches we've never seen before. Ciampa versus Lashley, and uh, Shayna Baszler versus Liv Morgan. We're seeing shit we've never seen before, and it's wrestling. Triple H has a production meeting, tells everybody we're going to be pro wrestling not they brought it back, brought it back, brought it back. So you got that. You got WWE being great again without any involvement in the Trump campaign this time. <laughs> um, and then you got AEW being a nice, sweet alternative. Sure. And now and AEW owns Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, the wrestling fan should just be extremely happy. You realize there is wrestling on every night of the week. No. Well, with the exception of weekends, except for pay-per-views. Yeah, it's on every night of the week. Monday, Raw. Tuesday, NXT. Wednesday, Dynamite. Thursday, Impact. Friday, SmackDown. Why the fuck are we arguing which is better? Just watch it all. Well, you know, it's funny because back in, in, uh, in the day, people would have said, you know, it's overly saturated. Overly saturated. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, you know, back in the 80s when yeah. they were on every fucking... I love fucking how they day. describe it uh, like it's over, Yeah, it's overly saturated. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if they're getting ratings and they're getting sure. TV contracts and they're be able, able to make money, I'm hoping that uh, with Paul taking over and actually them putting him in charge and making him more of the... Uh, kind of face of WWE, if you will. Let's call him Paul. Okay. Because we're never going to see him as like Triple H. Yeah, he's again. not he's Triple not, H. He's not going to be coming out as the game anymore. No. And uh, and I think he's, you know, he's, he's a kind of, I don't know what it is. And I don't know, maybe it's that whole idea of he's loved this business since he first saw it. Mm-hmm. And he's had an excitement about it since he first saw it. And he never got involved. Like, he had never had anything to distract him 
like he never was a drug user or a drinker. No. He never was into womanizing. He wasn't into, you know, the things that normally <laughs> come hand in hand mm-hmm. with pro wrestling with huge egos and small self-esteems. And uh, he j- he just, like, he was the guy that, you know, would were, was making sure that the boys were okay and fucking their late night annex and then getting up at 9 o'clock in the morning going to production meetings. So I, I don't know if like he's, it's like handing the keys to the candy store to a kid, you know, that's sure. wanted this entire life. And I think that he's, of course, he's very professional. He seems very well. I mean, he's not, he's not an overly educated guy. He's you know, he's not like a. Fucking, I think he's turned himself into but, a very educated. But guy, I think though, he's yeah, years. and I think that uh, just being in that atmosphere of. Man, you either step up to this shit or you, because, you know, that's the way it is. And when you work with a company like that and you work with these hungry, um, goal-oriented billionaire types, is that you, that that shit kind of rubs off on you. And you're like, you know what, I need, like, this I don't know. I better read a fucking book on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I remember being in the medical recruiting field. And being around those type of people that were incredibly educated, and I was not, but I was a hell of a salesman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they saw that in me, and and knowing that when when you walked into a meeting, or you walked into the president of the CEO's office, and you sat down and had a meeting in his office, you always looked at his desk to see what book he was reading. Yeah. You know. No, I hear that. Um, there is one thing. If uh, if if we ever get Paul on the podcast, which I don't know, I mean we, I mean he's doing interviews. He seems very, you know? very open to. Uh, I mean to, to to pretty much anything. Of course, we should just do it because yeah. a lot of these interviews I'm seeing they're not getting like a lot of YouTube views. It's small, sure. small time podcasts like ours. But anyways, I would ask him at what point did he start seeing what every fan was seeing in indie wrestling. Because if you remember, Triple H was like behind Vince McMahon on the decision of, you know, we're not going to book that many indie wrestlers, right. indie darlings, as right, he used right. to call them. And that alienated CM Punk. Right. And then CM Punk hit the main roster, sure. and there was that animosity. And then it seemed like after Punk had left, I think Triple H... Saw all like, the media attention. Yeah, it was like, hold on, if they're popular somewhere yeah. else, why aren't we taking a look at them? Well, I think he saw the 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 backlash that no pun intended, the backlash <laughs> on what happened when CM Punk left. Right. Like, oh, sh- like the fans really yeah, holy give shit, a they shit. They really did give a shit. And about then it. all of a sudden, he's running NXT, and NXT is being filled with. It was indie like, hey, we, hey, we didn't build that. Yeah. Like, he's like, hey, you know that thing mm-hmm. that he had. We didn't build it. It came, came naturally. It came naturally mm-hmm. from the fan. It's like there's sometimes there is a chemistry, and I'm and we felt it. Like Kit and I felt it when, of course, there was no nothing any more independent than what we were doing in the nineties. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. No, like, no. like we were. Keeping, That's when indie wrestling was. Yeah, truly we were. Born. We were keeping wrestling alive in Texas. Mm-hmm. They, we. The the uh, the world class and USWA and global had killed Dallas. They, yeah. they had killed the the town, and we were working to keep 
wrestling still alive here in, in Dallas. That's how all these, that's how Ring of Honor started. Ring of Honor started because ECW's absence in Philadelphia. So, like, that, but really, like, back in the 90s, when it was, yep. when it was WCW, WWE, ECW, everybody's looking at these three companies, you had local wrestling communities going, okay, we gotta, we gotta take right. advantage of this, we don't have a major promotion anymore, there's no more territories, we got to start anew. And when and when Gary put us together at the the last kind of the last ditch of the Sportatorium before they closed it up and and eventually tore it down, um, when he put us together and turn and made us these monster heels, something happened mm-hmm. and we were like, holy shit! Like people were following out following us out to our cars, mm-hmm. like we were having to park our cars across the street so they wouldn't fucking slit our tires, yeah, and shit like that. Like that's old Thank school God stuff, marks right? Aren't like that anymore. They'll and, just show up to your house. And then and then when we started working for NWA Southwest, West, it got to the point where hey, we're like, that was the rise of the Attitude Era, yeah, you know, in the the late nineties, and 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 we were we came in as the biggest heels, and then. With with no work on our side, we kind of turned baby. We were kind of baby faces, mm-hmm. you know. And you're like, we didn't do that. Yeah, they did that. The yeah. fans did that. And there's nothing we could have done about and it. I, and I think that was like, and and I think at that time that was around, pretty much when the audience decided to do that. Uh, this guy is so bad, but uh, so good at right. being bad. Yeah, I got to cheer for him. Yeah, uh, you know, the wrestling fan base does evolve. In that arena, right? But it's outside that arena and on the internet and just everything TikTok and right. just yeah. you know everybody thinks they're in the know of the business. I'm not going to pretend I know everything about the business. No, but it's funny because you you here's here's what you do know, Dan. Is you being involved and us getting together and I start know doing it's this a podcast. television show. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a television program. And what you have seen from being in the back at shows yeah. and some pretty large venue shows too, sure, you know, yeah, yeah. in general, like, you know, a, you know, the large, I got the, a little taste of it at yeah. Mania running and, into and Jarrett and, and the, right, the WWE and right, crew. Yeah. yeah. And so you, uh, you, what you, what you have seen, you realize that, when you meet a mark that thinks he knows something, you, you, can, you can see what they don't know. Yeah, you yeah. can see what they don't know, <laughs> and you can see uh, that you can't tell them nothing. Right. They read it off fucking nodq.com, and, and, and it's just, truth. Yeah. And you shut up, and you go, and you walk away, and you go, that motherfucker didn't know shit. Like, uh, you know, um, Dave Meltzer, I'm not going to shit on him or anything. That's all right. There's plenty of people who... That, that's he gets enough shit from everybody else. Here's the thing. I'm not going to shit on Bill After, and I'm not going to shit on Dave Meltzer. Uh, Bill After, better reputation. I'm sure. going to say that. Sure. The thing about Meltzer is he's just kind of like, he he himself is kind of a deranged mark. Yeah. Have you seen how he lives? I have not. I saw, like, footage of his office, and it's just, it looks like a hoarder's nest, just full of papers. And I'm like, good God, dude. Get... I, I, it's autism or depression, bro. Right. You got it. <laughs> a little bit of both. And sometimes he will uh, he will say this this outlandish shit, and wrestlers will call him out on it. But it's just that that mark sure. mentality sure. of like, oh, well, sure, like, oh, I know everything that's going I on. Know right. Everything that's right. going on. Like, uh, 
there was Roman Reigns said the theory your daddy's not here anymore, and and that was clearly a reference to Vince, <sighs> right? Meltzer said it was about Johnny Gargano, and even the guy who hosts the podcast that he was on was just like, "Wait, well, what? what? What the fuck yeah. are you talking about?" Um, it's that type of thing. And when that guy has a voice, and and you know, Jim Cornette's kind of part of the problem too. He can be, but you know, it's- Jim Cornette wants to say this is a stupid booking. This is a stupid booking. Sure. But if you go to the WWE Network and you watch uh, 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 his company, uh, I can't fucking for the life of me. Who? Uh, Cornette. Cornette uh, had the... Uh, his, uh, what, uh, are you talking about Smoky Mountain Wrestling? Smoky Mountain. Yeah. There we go. For some reason, Stampede was yeah. in my head, no, and that's Calgary, and I knew. But, so, Smoky Mountain, I don't know if actually this is on television, but there's pictures of it on the internet. Jim Cornette booked himself against a Ninja Turtle and lost to the Ninja Turtle. Sure. Jim Cornette says things. Jim Cornette is kind of like the Alex Jones of the wrestling world. He knows everything he's saying is bullshit, but he's sensationalizing it to because he knows how to stir up the marks. <laughs> he does. Now, I truly believe he hates Vince Russo, and there's some things well, I truly no, believe that he believes, but, I mean, let's look at Alex Jones for a second. He was spreading that bullshit about right. Sandy Hook, yeah. and now it's coming to bite him in the ass. Poor guy. Not saying that Jim Cornette's going to ever be in that situation, no. but it's that same well, type Well, he'll of, never have that kind of money. It, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Well, I don't even no. think Alex Jones has to pay those families forty two hundred. Yeah, is it has it no. raised up to two hundred? Well, what well, they said, Alex Jones is worth somewhere around, around two hundred million. Oh, okay, so then but he might. But he's what did they make him pay forty four million dollars well, or something? It went from he had to pay one family four million, and let then me what, tell you, let me tell you something, Joe. <laughs> let me tell you something, Joe. My my lawyer sent you all my text messages. And I'm a little the, retarded. The, the beautiful thing about those text messages accidentally being sent to the plaintiff's lawyer right. was a lot of those text That's messages included involvement in the January 6th insurrection. So Alex Jones, I'm going to follow uh, Alex Jones's uh, just legal trouble. Well, uh, I, but listen, if we could pull some strings, I wouldn't mind having Alex Jones on the podcast. Oh, no, 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 no. What he did was disgusting, and he's a monster, and I will never give him a platform. You can have him. I'm not going to be on the episode. Um, but no, Jim Cornette, you know, I, I don't know if he saw that, you know, happening in the real world. I was like, okay, because sure. he, he was writing at the time where WWF was pulling from the real world, right. you know? Um, but he, what he does is sensational and it gets these marks fucking stirred up crazy. Well, it definitely is. And, and, and believe it or not, and he'll, he might tell you he doesn't, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, I can see it when I do listen to his podcast, and I don't do it very often anymore. Um, I will say, he is hilarious. Hilarious. He is hilarious. Hilarious. But he's doing he's doing practically the same thing with sensational life. But he everything. has a formula. Yeah. Like, he's got a formula. Like, I could see it. Like, he had a formula on television when mm-hmm. he did interviews. He had a formula, and he was very smart about it. And and believe me, he's got a formula when it comes to what he says on you know mm-hmm. on uh, his podcast, and it's, it's successful. You can't beat that. You know, Jim Jim Cornette's smartest thing Jim Cornette ever did was get out of the wrestling business and get into the Jim Cornette business. Mm-hmm. And that's if I can give anybody in the wrestling business an advice: get out of the wrestling business, get in whoever you are, get in that business. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it's about nowadays. You know, like if you want to. Uh, have some sort of universe of your own, right? 
you know, you start a podcast or you, you create content on YouTube. People have found what you don't need to move out to L.A. anymore. Yeah. You know, everybody can have their sure, own universe. Sure. That's why I think no one's truly either canceled. they're going to love it or they're, gonna, they're not going to love it. Yeah. So, no yeah. one's truly canceled. You know, yeah, it's like uh, you know, it's like the bands, the bands back in the seventies. Uh, everybody wanted to be the Beatles, yeah, right. But uh, then you have somebody like Kiss. Kiss never wanted to be the Beatles; they wanted to be Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. And then, no, Kiss was brilliant yeah. at that one song, but so much right. merch. That just, I'm telling you, that's my, that's my Jewish, that's my, those <laughs> yeah. my Jews right yeah, there, man, bro. That's hardcore, That is man. business. Yeah. Right. Like, they should write a book yeah. for the rest of the yeah, tribe. Right straight from Israel, buddy. <laughs> Gene Simmons and the boys. I got to stop that shit because I don't even practice, and I feel like, anyway. Oh, that's all right. Um, but uh, you know what happens, though, when wrestling is good? We got nothing to talk about. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you I what. I did hear the funniest thing on SmackDown, though. Okay. I'm and gonna... Vince would never approve this line. Uh, you know how Roman Reigns calls himself the, tr- the tribal chief? Right. Drew McIntyre called him the tribal queef. And I had to <laughs> I had to fucking pause they the They got TV. away with it? Got away with it. Holy shit. Baby, oh, yeah. Liv baby. Morgan. Liv Morgan, like, uh, uh, the fans have turned on her, which, whatever. That but is great. She's like, thank you for calling me out on my shit. And they bleeped shit, but it was just like, holy shit. Shit and queef are right. being said on SmackDown right now. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe we can get back to some of the edgy shit. You know, a lot of, you know, Vince Russo was was uh, responsible for a lot of that stuff during the Attitude Era. Well, see, and that's, and, 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 see, and, and that's what I wanted to bring up, uh, too. Like, let's look back is it really all Vince is, is, is wrestling today because of what Vince made it or because Vince at his lowest point in the 90s listened to people well here's the deal when when it when it came to really solid angles mm-hmm. like let's say what's what's back in the and we're talking about the attitude area when, when I could see what was going on yeah what I noticed from being around the business and knowing how the business operated and then seeing it on television, and then on occasion going on tour and being able to see what was going on backstage and how things were organized and put in, you know, in production. Yeah. Um, I'll say from a production standpoint, Vince uh, was innovative right. in what he did. But it seemed like any time Vince was just him himself uh-huh. doing his own ideas, that's when he brought the product to a low quality. Well, okay, so the stuff like the main kind of, and I'm not, and I'm excluding the '80s, sure, '90s yeah, stuff no, right. because, like, what competition yeah, was well, there? There was, yeah. But what 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 I could see is that Vince was involved. What I saw is Vince was involved in every major angle. Mm-hmm. Then he had guys that were very, very good, like Vince Russo, like uh, Ed like Bruce Pritchard, yeah, like uh, Jim Cornette, mm-hmm. that were the best hole fillers. Because what when you concentrate only on the main angles, you have holes in your show. Yeah, and what these guys did would create the details and, of course, run them by Vince mm-hmm. and get approval for them. But and, and back in the Attitude Era, Vince was up for approving everything except for, like, m- some of Vince Russo's ideas because sometimes Vince Russo's yeah, ideas was, were a little crazy. Little, mm-hmm. Flying Elvises, we all remember that. Sure. 
But you, you <laughs> that seventies guy, Mike, awesome. <laughs> so you saw some of those, some of those things that they would feel it. That like everything seemed to have, everybody seemed to have something to do. Sure. And you can't do that when you just concentrate on the main four, three or four angles. Absolutely. Right. Or storylines. You have to have fill-ins, and that's what these. He would surround himself, you know, like guys, you know, like. Fucking Russo and Cornette and and Pritchard and all those guys that were good at filling in the holes and giving ideas to make things to to give things legs. Yeah, and so because you notice that like even the subplots, even though they like they didn't maybe they didn't go anywhere, they were interesting for the television show. Mm-hmm. You know? Even yeah, even angles that they were just like, ah, this isn't going. Yeah, the way like we want. you know the Mark Henry with the sexual chocolate. And you know that stupid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that stupid or shit. When, or when Kai and Ty like chopped off Val Venus's penis right. in the with the sword, and then the next week it was just a it was right. just but they only did it just to get that. that hey, did you see those those Japanese guys cut off Val Venus's dick? Right. About time somebody did it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So those it's it's you know it it feel it it filled in everything. Mm-hmm. So one thing I'm hoping that that Paul does that Vince would never do is collaborate with the other companies. I know Tony Khan uh, has tweeted or has mentioned that, yeah, I'm going to contact WWE now and see if we can have the forbidden door totally fucking open. Right. I think they, I think WWE should just do it. Embrace every, wow. Look, I don't know. Well, it's, because, look, it's hard it, when you don't have control. It's hard when you don't have control, but at the same time, WWE is big enough now, and now you've gotten Vince added there, so his scandals aren't going to take the company down. That's why Vince retired. Right. I know every mark out there has their own opinion that it's not about the scandal, that he's tired or whatever, right. but that those scandals were going to bring that company down had he stayed. It wasn't voluntary. Yeah, well, it's not. You know, it ain't over till it's over, too. But there's, but, well, but there is something I respect about McMahon. All right, because it was obviously not voluntary, but he loves what he made so much. Sure. He wants it to live forever. Mm-hmm. So is oh, this will bring it down. Then I got to bounce, and maybe there was something really heavy in that, uh, in that, in those investigations and scandals that we don't know of yet. We sure. will probably see it on HBO Real Sports or in this Wall Street Journal article that's supposed to come out any week now. Mm-hmm. That goes even further. But, I mean, WWE is so big now. Why the hell not? The market is big enough. AEW, is it really competition? No. It's the alternative that's playing itself as the competition. Because when you play yourself as the competition, guess what's going to happen? People are going to tune in to either see how bad you are in comparison or how good you are. Yeah, it's almost to an advantage to both companies that they have a little bit of controversy. And, and I don't know, you may see them dip their toe in the water on sure. that stuff, but I don't see them giving up any power as far as bringing in guys and not having them under contract. Sure. But a collaboration, it could happen. Could happen, you never know. But Stephanie... Never, never say never in the never wrestling... Never say never in the <laughs> World <laughs> Wrestling Federation. In the wrestling business in general. And, and yeah. Uh, I, you never know what Stephanie or Nick Khan thought. Yeah. Opposite Vince. Right. 
you know. But you know, if we're if we're going back to pro wrestling, and if we're gonna look at independent stars more than athletes, you remember that Vince declared that they were gonna recruit more uh, just sure. legitimate yeah, athletes yeah, right. than than indie wrestlers because indie wrestlers have bad habits, and he well, meant that in and out of the ring. <laughs> that's the so. Well, that's, well, that's the that's the pot calling the kettle. Uh, you know, sure, yeah. yeah, but you know why not? I'm sure Cody Rhodes could negotiate. I'm sure Cody Rhodes could be an arbiter to the whole situation. Yeah. Seemed like he left AEW on good terms. He yeah, just, we. Yeah, I think he did. So why why not? New Japan didn't need to do it. New Japan did it though because they knew we would love it. Uh-huh. And guess what? It made them. A f- it made both companies a shitload of money. Got them notoriety. Both of them. It, it's hard because I don't pay attention to the product. You enough. should. This is the perfect time to now. Be- well, maybe. I, I mean, well, yeah. Like I got time to wipe my ass on some days. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but well, you know, you when can you do what my friend when, Matt does. when you're a mogul like me, you know. You can do it. You can do a mogul. You can do what my friend Matt uh, does. Shout out Matt Hirsch. Just, just all get, the way in get in the shower. Uh, no, just watch highlights. Just oh, watch right. clips on Facebook, and right. then you. Uh, yeah, kind of get the catch up. Yeah, my friend Matt's able to follow what's going on through just online clips and highlights yeah. and stuff. But uh, you should do that. Yeah, sometimes I get stuff, you know, when I'm playing with uh, TikTok or whatever. I'll get highlights and, say, and watch it, you know, and get kind of, you know. A, four minute kind of fill in of what's going on and uh, or interviews or whatever mm-hmm. so uh, but but to be able to pay attention to the product and really keep up on what the two main companies are doing it's 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 difficult I, I really do have a good feeling the way that Paul is coming bringing like his attitude towards what he wants to bring back to the to, to wrestling in general, yeah, and and being able to say, hey, from now on, you this is wrestling, mm-hmm. and these are championship belts. You know what I'm saying? Yep. These are championships. These, you know, you can't don't the words that we're like we're eliminating. We're eliminating having, the word wrestler. Yeah, we're yeah. It's like There's sports inter- entertainers or superstars. Superstars. It's ridiculous. Hey, Absolutely. You know, we're we're fucking. You know. It, we're fucking athletes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was an athlete. Yeah. You guys get older and have athletic uh, athletic uh, uh, injuries. Sure. You know? Right. Uh, so, and, and what you guys put your bodies through, uh, you have to work out. You have to train. You yeah. have to do everything a football player does or a basketball player does right. just to perform. You know, Broadway people, I, I think Broadway people probably just work on their cardio. Maybe well, I don't know, man. There's, you know, it's hard you unless know, you're like lifting motherfuckers, right. you know. But I, wrestling is the only television show where the cast, and I know I'm pissing has, people yeah. off right as I'm describing, but that's what it is. They're all athletes. They're all athletes. Right. They have to train like professional athletes because right. that's what they are. Yeah. And Vince McMahon, uh, for the longest time was treating Raw and SmackDown and just his product like as a show right. about a wrestling show. Right, right. And now it's a wrestling show again. Yeah, I agree. Pretty, I agree. Pretty fucking exciting. Yeah. Pretty fucking exciting. But uh, I hope 
that uh, now they'll get it together as far as the health care is concerned because uh, uh, Ric Flair should not be having to wrestle at 73. And I know that was probably more alimony than anything, <laughs> but now it seems like he might wrestle again. Cause I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Why did he do it? Did he do it for the money? I'm pretty sure he did. So he had the second highest grossing indie event in wrestling history. The first one being All Out before it became... Sure. Oh, I'm sorry, All In before right. it became AEW. But, right. I mean, Ric Flair's post-interview, it just seemed like, all right, check's good in the bank. Thank yeah. you guys so much for coming. Right. I'm going to go drink with Kid Rock now. That's <laughs> literally... I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what he said. Oh, how, okay. So... Uh, so Rick was is what seventy what two seventy seventy three seventy three years mm-hmm. old and Briscoe had a funny he's he posted a picture of himself and, and he was like I swear this is my last match and it was him with a lit match <laughs> <laughs> Briscoe with the jokes right it's good to see him That's making the funny. funnies um, but yeah Rick Flair seventy three the card was amazing um, Jeff Jarrett stole the show of course because because. They went, him and Karen went 100 as heels, and they did not need to. In Jeff's home state, he poured beer on some guy. (laughs) I love it. Karen mooned the Flair family. Really? Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck's going on? Wow. Sounds like a good card. (laughs) It was a great card. That, that. That um that whole card was solid, and it had independent wrestlers from different companies, and they were advertising different companies and stuff. And had the Briscoes, had the Von Erichs. Oh, the, the Briscoes versus the Von Erichs was a great match. Uh, you had uh, oh god, who Carrion Cross, who just came back to SmackDown, right. who just came back. He was on there. Um, you had a bunkhouse brawl, a bunkhouse battle royal. Love you, it, love it. Uh, God, you had a lucha a luchador match between uh, uh, Ray Phoenix and oh my god, I don't I don't remember. It was just a solid. The whole card, card in general. Was, and I, I saw it. I, I, I think it was Conrad Thompson who had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Who would have thought this mortgage guy? This mortgage guy. Who who married into the Flair family. See, that's, that's fucking marks for you, man. That, that, that dude's that a dude mark. That dude is a super mark. Super mark that somehow got into the right. Flair. I'm not saying he's not a charming no, man. Oh, no, he's incredibly charming. He's a great businessman. And Nor am I saying his intent yeah. as a mark was to get into that family. No, but I, I think that as a mark already probably... Mm-hmm. That it was like, oh, a flair daughter likes me, yeah, and like she's really attractive. Shit, yeah, like he went down the right road. Like if we could, you know, sus, he uh, might need to maybe take a walk around the block every once in a while or go to a cardiologist, poor guy. You have no but, room to talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not fucking that with big, bro. I am fucking with you. Yeah. Guys, if you see Chris Germany in person, <laughs> he looks fucking fantastic right now. Please. He's getting back I'm in shape. You're getting back in shape. I don't know about getting back in shape. But you I'm look much to be healthier. You look much better than before I got COVID. I, uh, I lost myself and had a fucking brownie yesterday. Just, oh my! Well, that's just going to add yeah, the, that right. that fucking thirty pounds back, or yeah, however so, you however much weight you lost. Um, but uh, you know, like you know, you get in there. Who thought? Who would have thought that a guy in the mortgage business that. Just because he, because Rick did a good job on Steve Austin's podcast with an interview, I mean that's where it's all where it all started, right? And he's, he's now he's the he biggest. Kept it at two drinks. Now he's now he's the biggest fucking podcast 
got the biggest he's fucking on podcast every, he's company. He's everybody's, everywhere. Podcast everybody's podcaster. It's almost like he's monopolized the wrestling podcast almost, business. Almost. He knows his shit. You know? You're going to replace me with fucking Conrad. Uh, no, no way. I, I already, no. no, I get it, bro. Like, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a heel uh, podcast host. I don't try to be, but, uh, you know, wrestling fans don't agree with my opinion. I've seen no, com- I've, I've seen comments. Please. I've gotten messages. <laughs> <laughs> but who would have thought? So, that's a, I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I saw it. I saw the card. It looked really great. And, uh. And, and I saw the... It's probably not going to be his last match, so we're probably going to get another one because I think him and uh, the Cologne Patriarch... What's his name? The guy who had Brody killed. I'll say that. Uh, I'll, I will say that shit openly. The guy who had Carlos Brody... Carlos... Yeah. Yeah. So Carlos and him had a face-off, and Carlos hit him. There's pictures of it on the internet. And uh, it's like, what are we teasing? Both, first of all, both of them have no business... Uh-uh. Not at this age. Come on. Someone said, Flair, enjoy your retirement. I was like, he was, but then he got bored. Right. Well, or, no. I think it was alimony. No, once honestly. it once once again, it's hard it's hard when that money's out there not go get it. I but he's he's seventy three. I know, but it's like I think Rick is one of those guys that would not like would not mind. He knows he's going to die someday. Sure. And I think he's one of those guys that says, you know what? Wouldn't mind fucking going out in the ring. Honestly, uh, he I, honestly, part of me thought he looked disappointed that he didn't. I mean, yeah. he was gassed within the first five minutes. Of before, course. Before he even bladed. He yeah, was gassed. of course. Um, but, you know, so <laughs> I see people commenting on his alcohol uh, consumption. Well, leave the man alone. He's seventy-three. Is it a problem? Yes, but he's seventy-three. Well, you, at this point, would you like, have an intervention for a seventy-three-year-old no, alcoholic? No, no. No. You made it. As far as I'm concerned, you crossed the fucking finish no, line. No, you don't. You know? <laughs> is it amazing? No, it absolutely just, is. Oh, no, you get him a rocking chair and buy him a fucking cooler. <laughs> You know, it's like <laughs> I don't think Ric Flair has ever sat down in a fucking rocking chair. I think I can. I think that's one of the things I can say on this podcast okay. that oh, is a hundred percent true. Here, let me correct that. Not not uh, not rocking chair. Bar stool. Bar stool. There you go. I don't even think he's sat in a recliner. He just doesn't look like a person that sits down. I just, you know, I see him and see his how excited he was after the show to say, "Hey, I'm gonna go drink with Kid Rock now." I wish I was excited about anything that much. I mean, it's Kid Rock. I don't know how I mean, excited I mean, you I mean, could I would, be. I mean, you yeah, know, that sounds like Kid fun. Rock hasn't been relevant in, in, since the two uh, thousands. Well, I don't know. I don't know. The only people that yeah. listen to Kid Rock are the people that think "Let's Go Brandon" is fucking funny. <laughs> I'm just being honest. All right. All right. And by the way, like that whole stupid thing. Just, just fucking say what you want to say. Just fuck yeah. you, Biden. Just right. say that. Right. It's not. It's kind of cowardly to, like, cover it up with some code word, well, you know? But I think it's an inside joke. So. It's stupid. Yeah, it's, 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 well, it's, 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 def- it's definitely not creative. One, it's based off something that happened in NASCAR. Right. Like, so there you go. <laughs> that's, just... a, that's the direction we're going. <laughs> what do you expect, Dan? Well, since, you know, wrestling's good and we got nothing to complain about, you watch any new TV shows? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kind of bored with television right now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad. 
Uh, um, because the DC is canceling, uh, DC had this plan to bring Michael Keaton back as Batman. Right. And he was going to be in the Batgirl movie, and they canceled that. And the backlash has been so heavy that they put out a report like, oh, we had a test screening, and they didn't like huh. it, just to fight the backlash. And, now, I'm going to bring this full circle okay, right I'm back listening. around to let wrestling. Okay. So the problem is Warner Discovery. They own HBO Max, right? right. They right. are doing severe budget cuts. They've cut 70% of the HBO Max staff. They've uh, uh, they've canceled the Scoob sequel, the Scooby-Doo animated oh, movie, right. which was good. You have no interest. No. You know, you're middle-aged. No, but, but I, yeah. I grew up with Scooby-Doo. No, I was, uh, Who I was, didn't? I was first-generation Scooby-Doo. So you're first-generation yeah. yeah. Scooby-Doo. I'm about third or fourth. But, you know, Scooby-Doo's the shit. Right. And that first movie was the shit. But they're canceling things left and right. They're not going to cancel AEW because AEW is still, they also own TBS and TNT. So. Right. But they're not going to cancel AEW. AEW is one of their highest-rated programs on TBS and TNT. Good. But I don't think... Uh, that Tony Khan's going to be able to sell a Ring of Honor TV show to them. It's Pro- just probably, not probably the budget. Not. And that's the bad news, because now you got to shop Ring of Honor around to other networks, and why would other networks want uh, a, a company a that's sub, owned by right. another right. a sub, on a different yeah. channel? Yeah, it's like it's almost like, like a secondary sub of... AEW in general. Yeah, so why would a network want your they, they junior program right, at that point? Exactly. So that's bad news for, for wrestling, but I'm sure Tony Khan will find a way to get Ring of Honor going with right. a regular program, whether it's on YouTube or Twitch or what have sure. you. Sure, there's always, I mean, that's that's the advantage of the platforms now is that you you go anywhere, you can if you want to get it up, mm-hmm. and then you let the fans make those decisions. Reagan, uh Impact... Uh, their Twitch channel, they they do it live on Twitch sometimes, and then when they're not live on Twitch, they're just showing old TNA, sure. educating their audience who's been here. But you know, I'll bring something up since we bring since we uh, brought up TNA, and uh, this is a fun internet thing that I've I've seen going around. I remember it when it happened. Uh, have you ever heard of Perk Angle? No. Okay, Perk Angle is. A <laughs> It's so goddamn funny. All right, so there's Kurt Angle, uh-huh. guy we all know and love, and then drinking his milk, and then, and then, the, then there's, and then there's Perk a, Angle. And he's on Percocets, right? It, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's what it's short for. Yeah. But it describes the time of Kurt Angle's last days of WWE yeah. all the way through his TNA uh, run. I remember that. Yeah, Perk Angle, uh, when he got to TNA, <laughs> for was, those of you not in was, the know. He was having neck problems, y'all. I mean, he was, but, he, but Kurt Angle was popping so many painkillers at yes, this time. He was heavily addicted. Fucking, yes. Heavily addicted. Lot, lot, you know, uh, his marriage fell apart. Everything was falling apart. Yeah, but... He was in a bad place. Five-star matches every fucking match. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I saw someone on the internet say, man, I tell people Perk Angle uh, sure. hit different. That's right. <laughs> TNA had Kurt Angle in his prime but also addicted to painkillers. Yeah, you want to get an Olympic fucking superstar world champion and then fucking put him on some parks to give a good show to you. So this is just one of the, So I heard this story, and he's going to... Him and, and Mr. Anderson, formerly Mr. Kennedy of yes, WWE, right. they're having a cage match, right? Uh-huh. And it was slated for 23 minutes. 
right? So Kurt puts this match together weeks in advance. He'd walk up to Mr. Anderson, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then day of the show, they knock it down to 11 minutes. Kurt Angle is pissed and hopped up on painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> so he walks up to Mr. Anderson. And Mr. Anderson's like, okay, 11 minutes, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to do fucking 23 minutes. <laughs> and they go out there, and they do it. And one of the spots, Kurt Angle just does a fucking moonsault off the cage, doesn't tell anybody he's going to do it. Wow. <laughs> that was Perk Angle. That's because you get fucking that shit fucking gives you balls, bro. Give you balls, and you're not in Fuck pain. no, you don't there care. There were so many instances where Kirk, where Kirk, Perk, sorry, where Perk <laughs> Wouldn't tell the other guy what hey, he was what gonna, gonna do. do. I remember those days. There's a clip of him diving off the set of the entranceway, doing a flip on Abyss. He never told Abyss he was gonna do that. I, listen, I remember days when Perk Angle should be in the Hall I'm, of Fame I'm, with well, Kurt. I guess <laughs> you know they should really go through and like separate those matches from when. So like, like he should be involved in it. Like he mm-hmm. should go. Oh yeah, I remember that day. Like mm-hmm. where, like. Or or to see a match and go, you know what? I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that. Like that. that's probably that's probably the best match you'll ever do. I remember when things were when Kit and I were running NWA Southwest and we were a little froggy and we'd been on the road all week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you come in and you gotta uh, put together a fucking show and tell yeah. a story and we're in charge and we're calling finishes and you know sometimes you're a little stressed, got a little anxiety and maybe you want to have couple four or five beers and maybe sure. you have to go out and wrestle and then that loosen adre- you up a little well, bit and then that adrenaline hits you and you fuck it and you're like well, fuck it i'm gonna do you know you just you become fearless sure do you look back though at at wrestlers or yourself i don't know if you did it all the time or whatever but do you ever look back at wrestlers that drank before the match and just kind of like now that you're you're at a you're at a humble age. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know how I didn't no, know that's how right. no, that's Do you okay. ever go, man, that was really irresponsible? No. Really? Oh, absolutely not. Well, because you're physically like you guys are putting on something. It, well, it's almost, you know, one the, false move. You know, uh there is a point mm-hmm. where you become irresponsible. Yeah. And there is a point and you know, the same thing with uh you know, with the prescription medications too. You know, there's a point where it, you know where it takes the pain away and gives you a little bit of extra adrenaline and can maybe peak your testosterone a little I just, bit. I just want to put this out there to young wrestlers that might be listening. We are not. We're not encouraging. We're not encouraging to, for you to become a perk gimmick. No. Kurt but, Angle was an exception to the perk Angle was an exception to the rule. <laughs> but if I could turn the clock back. Yeah. And go back to those days that some of those days, and I don't know if it was just in my mind Mm -hmm. that those were some of the best matches I had, or it was just in my mind at the time and I was was drunk. It's like it's it's like, like that. It, it was so exciting in the crowd, and you know there there might have been like I'm in my mind. I might have been killing it, and the crowd standing there with their mouth open, go, "What is this drunk motherfucker it's, doing?" It's like that episode of It's Always Sunny where they go to the high school reunion and they think they're putting on this big music production, right. and everybody's behind it, and then it cuts to real time, and they're just all drunk going, ah. <laughs> "Right." Um, but did you did you ever experience somebody 
in the ring that was too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, here's no. I mean, it's a fucking slow day. Come well, on. <laughs> nothing. Nothing I want in names. Per- nothing in particular. But here, there was days when I was in the wrestling business that um, I dealt with guys that you know, and I've talked about the Tennessee handbag. Uh, have you? Yeah, the Tennessee handbag. You know, all the Tennessee guys, they carried, like, <laughs> nice little, uh, almost like female wallets. Okay. And that would where their precious stuff was, like their monies and their, and their, I mean, and their personality, you know. Billfolds. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but they look like little purses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you I know, got Misty and one, every, has Baby yeah, Yoda on And it. everybody would just, like, that's where they kept their snow mm, oh. and you know and you see guys when they're getting ready to fucking go out to do a match that they would take their tennessee handbag take it to the one stall that was in the sportatorium and you knew they were in there fucking snorting some fucking coke yeah. to get up for the match i mean new jack more than anybody you know, well <laughs> I mean, you know you knew it was happening yeah and i remember guys that were so fucked up i remember Doing a show with Billy Joe Travis okay. from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was so fucked up on cocaine wow. that literally fucking had a like had a fucking baggie in his fucking tights and would go under the ring to do a bump. What during the match? This this wasn't TV though. No, this was no, just spot were, shows. Yeah, right. And. So how how many people were in the crowd at this show? Oh, fucking nine hundred. No shit. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. As someone who lives with addiction, right? Like I had I had my moments of like I can't do this now. So it 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 boggles my fucking mind that someone could go. Sure. All right, let me do a bump under the fucking right. ring in the middle of a fucking show. That yeah. is. Fucking crazy. Now he was, you know, he was at, he was kind of at the he was at a crossroads in his addictions. I, okay, you know, and and eventually, you know, that and, and doesn't later, sound like a crossroads. That and, sounds and, like we're, we're this is the yeah, expressway. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was fucking. He was paying the express line cost, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, but. There, you know, there was. Is he alive? Right? Oh, he's dead. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I'm no, Billy's, 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 long, Billy's been long gone. Uh, no, I'm just saying, yeah. any guy that goes under the ring to do a bump into the middle of the right. show, right? Hey, yeah, well, yeah, we might. Yeah, we him, uh, We might have did, to. Did anyone call him out on it? No, we all just talked behind his back. Yeah, you know, you don't want to upset a coach. No, not at the time. You're like, well, you're so freak, freak uh, stamina. You're like, <laughs> you're like, let me get my pay and go home. Yeah, right. I'm glad I survived. And, and it. pray he doesn't ask you for a ride. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been in a car with a cokehead. Sure. It's like, can I listen to music, please? No, it's just like, fuck. no, bro. I gotta tell you about the Foo Fighters, bro. I gotta because t- <laughs> you because you get a guy in the car like that and you're headed home, especially when you're a young wrestler like we were. Mm-hmm. You know, we were like, you know, if he would have said, "Hey, man, can I get a ride home?" I'd have gave him a ride home. Yeah, but I also would have thought, if I get pulled over, I'm just gonna lean over the cot and go, "Hey, he's got coke in his pants." <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You fucking snitch. Yeah, it's fucking, I'm not, no, you know. I'm I'd fucking, rather be a cokehead than 20, a fucking 22-year-old kids. Uh, like, listen, that coke that's in his pocket, I got nothing to do with it. You fucking, that's, <laughs> no. 
22 years old, I knew yeah. snitches get well, stitches. That's, well, that's fucking. You know, fucking. I, I, now I can't ride with you with weed in my pocket anymore. Well, you no, know no, this, no, right? No. Yeah, you don't do that. I can't. Oh, I just. Man, well, you right. can do it if I don't know it's in there. Well, I'm going to tell you because I'm a fucking responsible human being. Right. <laughs> I, have, I have manners. Chris, I'm carrying a little baggie yeah, of weed. I appreciate that. Well, no, I'm actually, I'm off of it now. Thank you, COVID. <sighs> you know when you smoke weed on COVID, you can't get high? Huh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. well that's that makes COVID suck. It did. I mean, I'd get a little, I'd get the, uh, you know, the the chill feeling, but I wasn't enjoying my music as much, oh, you know. That sucks. Um, you did work uh, public with Public Enemy a couple times. Did you ever experience that yeah, with we Public had, Enemy? Yeah, we had times uh, when uh, we were in, we uh, particularly one show in Louisiana, that uh, uh, Rocco had to catch a, we had to, we were scheduled as the main event for the night. Mm-hmm. And this video, this match is up on YouTube. Yeah, it's, uh, well, Plaquemine, Plaquemine Civic Center or something in uh, down in Louisiana, southern Louisiana. And uh, I think the outside of Baton Rouge. Anyway, um, we we had to hit, uh, Rocco's mom was sick, and he was going to have to catch a plane ride back. So we, they just came on in the middle of the show and said, we can't we can't control them in the back. They're fighting in the back. we got to start this match right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up being – Right in the middle of the show, and so no entrances, y'all. Well, just... we did do entrances because they, you know, they like brought us out, like separated us, and then made announcements, and then we just fucking it was it was it was made as a no, no DQ, know, no DQ extreme match, balls so, count anywhere, balls count anywhere. Trying to get that ECW sure. feel, and uh, anyway, so uh, show went great, match went great, terrific, great guys to work with. And then uh, Rocco disappeared, and of course Johnny Grunge was, you know, stayed the night. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Kit and I went out party with everybody, had a good time. And Johnny just kind of stayed in his room. Yeah, you know, it's like I get that people like, suck. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. It was more like uh, he wanted to be alone with his addictions. Yeah, and uh, and we got up the next morning and uh, started down to breakfast, and then. Somebody said, hey, guys, what's going on? Johnny's been asking about you. They're like, oh, okay, where's he at? Uh, well, he's in his room. He said, come by and see him. I was like, all right. Well, we're like, cool. Let's grab a cup of coffee and go see Johnny. So we went by and grabbed a cup of coffee and walked in. and says, he'd been up all night. Mm-hmm. Just taking God knows what. And yes. just was still just barely fucking getting, you know, just uh, almost incoherent and <laughs> Ralphie saw a fucking squirrel in the window and after Good boy, I'm Ralphie. Sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, now my puppy's fucking. But, you, but it was one of those situations where you're like, hey, man, like this is not going to go well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They were already on the downswing of their career, and we were kind of on an upswing, and, and we could see that. Uh, and then shortly, probably a year after that, like Rocco passed away. Rocco did, yeah. not Johnny. And then Johnny yeah, yeah, yeah. passed away probably four or five years so later. Was Rocco a wild one too? Was he, Rocco he, doing he, the same he shit? He was, but we didn't see it. Yeah, that see much, it. So you, you know, can't really can't really judge him because yeah, but, confirm we did, it. but seeing Johnny, Johnny was Johnny was playing with those uh, 
you know, opiates and mm-hmm. fucking muscle relaxers and shit. You know, the shit that was popular in the 90s. Well, uh, the opiate, there's an op- uh, opium, there's a, isn't it? Op- there's Valium and... Uh, uh, well... Uh, uh, it's popular now with actually people around well, your the, age. With it's the, the uh, you know, the he was the Vicodin. Xanax. Shit. Yeah, Xanax and, and, yeah, and yeah, shit, yeah. you know. And, and, you know, you fucking supposed to take two and they take... 22, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a game they play. How many Plastidils can I fucking take? You know? I saw a documentary that Russell Brand was doing. Uh, Russell Brand, now people have his their opinions on Russell Brand. I look up to Russell Brand. One, he's got one of the quickest minds, comedy right, minds. I agree. He can just fucking think of a line and it kills the room. But um, he did a documentary about uh, meth addiction uh, or just addiction in general uh. over in the U.K., and uh, in the UK, they treat meth addicts with methadone, and huh. yeah, yeah, as a way of of controlling the relapses, or huh. as a way of controlling the uh, detoxing huh. from it. But it's actually completely <laughs> worse for yeah, you. And that was kind of the main subject that named me Winehouse of the documentary. Um, I, I forgot where I was going with that question. Uh, <laughs> But has there has there ever been like a a wrestler that you saw get called out for their for their bullshit, or was it com- well, was it just the complete Wild West? Well, it was the Wild West. Yeah, but I remember, I mean, I remember the fiftieth anniversary show in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, for the NWA, and seeing uh, William Regal wrestle. Uh, while and he's he, mentioned this while he was on. Uh, like severe pain medication. Yeah. A pain medication so bad that when he walked out, everybody in the crowd and everybody in the back room realized he was wearing his wrestling boots on the wrong feet. Mm. And, mm. and so he wrestled that entire match, which was kind of a semi-main event match. Was it good? Well, I mean, it's please good. tell me William Regal put on a fucking stellar well, match you know, with the boots I on mean, the wrong feet. We, you know, it was such a train wreck. We don't remember anything but him walking out with the fucking wrong fucking yeah, boots. Yeah, because the whole time feet. you're thinking, oh my god, he's, he's fucked, fucked up. up, and you can tell he's getting dressed in the back and kind of dozing. You know that nod that you see on mm. TV with guys that are on fucking opiates. But uh, you see, that was the thing about Perk Angle and DNA. DNA knew, <laughs> but he was putting on. It was just like, let him You're go, like, fuck. Oh, it. Well, fuck. Have you ever seen pictures of, of Kurt Angle? Uh, it got really bad. He was getting really skinny there near yeah. the end when TNA was becoming. I think Anthem at the time well, was buying I, TNA. Well, I, I know that he was dealing with some really severe nerve issues mm-hmm. in his neck, and I think that's you know that's the reason you could tell now. That uh, he's got severe atrophy in both of his arms, you know, like he's and lost something going on with his knees. Have you ever seen him standing up? His no, knees are can, bent when he's stent. I he can stands. relate to it. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I'm saying it's a it's a it's a knee and hip issue. You yeah, know? Um, I've been dealing with some back issues and uh, feeling pretty good right now. Knock on wood. But uh, but that, we that, need perk German. Fuck no, you don't. <laughs> The fuck you do, because I guarantee you it won't be pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one out no, with no five star matches. No, 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 no. It's gonna be bad. And I, uh, the, you know, my, I told you my uh, my, uh, the back doctor is uh, like he took X rays. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like he, and I said, you know, first time I've taken, I've let anybody take x-rays of my back. Yeah. Ever. Like, since I got out of the wrestling business. And it's been fucking what now? Fucking 15 years. Mm-hmm. Or close to it, you know, since I completely retired. Over 10. And, uh. And he took pictures of my back, and he's like, well, you'd be surprised. He goes, you know, I've seen much, much worse. But he's like, ooh, both those hips don't look very good. Yeah, hips he's don't like, lie. Yeah, he's like, you're, he's, he's like, well, you got a really pretty severe arthritis in those hips, uh, man. He's like, uh, he's like, yes, he's like, you know, you're getting okay. You're okay now. Yeah. But, but you know, eventually we're going to have to tackle years. that. Yeah. Well, and eventually probably in the next probably probably five or ten i'll probably have to deal with it but luckily you know you we you figure it out you know you deal with the problems that you have now and then you move on from that. i feel like uh i feel like ddp yoga could probably fix those hip issues well it couldn't hurt but you know we should have a ddp yoga day <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that's something you definitely need to get on film so, parallel with stand-up comedy and addiction, you know, a lot of alcoholics in comedy, right. and that's, I mean, unless you're me. You gotta love them. Unless you're me, right. it's not a problem, apparently. Because, okay, I'm, I did an interview recently for a podcast about my comedy journey, and, you know, I'm telling these stories of when I'm getting banned from clubs because I'm getting drunk and I'm popping off of the mouth, you right. know. But at the same time, I mean... If we, if we were going to ban me for being a drunk, there was like six or seven other people sure, that should have gotten absolutely. banned. Yeah, I understand that. You know, I, there's, I'm not going to mention people by name, you know, because I wouldn't want someone doing that to me. Right. But, you know, fucking people ripping up their comedy club checks because they don't think it's, it's good, uh, enough. good enough. Yeah. And that's not just one person. I've right. seen many a person do that when they were drunk. Uh, the coke addiction. Yep. I've seen cocaine addicts in it's, comedy right in front of me. It's uh, I've heard from several people, Joe Rogan being one of them, by mm-hmm. the way, that uh, the uh, that the coke issue in Austin is almost peaking to some severe. Well, because the yeah. fucking okay, you, so you get those boys coming in from California. That's exactly that's, what I was about to say. And man. they have a little bit of something. This, but he was like, you know, a lot of coke going on here in Austin. Mm-hmm. And, and Joe Rogan's one of these guys like me. I've never tried it, mm-hmm. and uh, he's really surprised that it's become such a uh, topic of conversation. With my uh, my experience with coke. I could. I didn't get addicted to it, so I never. I never saw like how is this addictive. What it did for me was like I wouldn't have uh, vomiting. Like I could just drink and drink and drink and not. Yeah, vomit. that's what I've heard. I've heard like that it, was the excess. Like you almost like almost like I've heard doing cocaine is almost useless if you're not drinking with it. Uh yeah, by itself did nothing for me. But, like, uh, and it wasn't, like, a thing where I would be, like, okay, I got to get some like, cocaine because like, I'm wow, drinking right now. I feel really good. Yeah. It was just, like, if so, if I was drinking and someone walked into my, my bar of choice or just a bar I was hanging out with and they had coke and I knew them, I'd be like, yeah, because I don't want to get sick later. Sure. That's the only experience I've had with cocaine. Now, and, and you know, there are, uh, uh, not wrestlers, but comedians I've seen on meth, on crack. Sure. And... Sometimes it's called out, right. 
But I think in wrestling, a lot of times it's not called out because politics and everything. Well, nowadays they kind of do in the bigger organizations. But I know there's independent. I've seen it in the last couple years, Mm -hmm. you know, doing independent shows. Let's say the last five. In the last five years, being involved in independent shows, and you see there's a couple people, and you know that they're involved in that kind of a lifestyle. and, Mm -hmm. and uh, And you're like, well, that's just him. You yeah. know, one of those things, mm-hmm. and you know, and and the and the comedy industry, it's very very similar. It's like, well, you know, that's how he's funny, you know. So I I had to open a wrestling show uh, doing comedy. Me and another comic, I ended up not doing it because I got there. It was five people around a ring, and I was just like, no, I'm not. You can go do it. The other comic did it. It actually killed, and then I regretted not going in there. But, um, Sally, be quiet. Sally, we have to have the puppy in the room because she likes to cry in my room. Sally, Sally, shut the fuck up. All right. Um, so at this at this show, uh, they they get to the end of the show, but I'm, I'm hearing these local wrestlers, they're going to an after party at someone's house, and they're talking about doing painkillers and this wasn't this was less than eight years ago this had to have been no a little bit longer than eight years ago but these these guys were like my age and it was just very alarming and then they invited me and the other comic and we were like nah (laughs) not at all yeah i don't know about anybody else but i there's times that you that i've been around that and uh and you see that it's not just a fun recreation. Hey, let's have a little bit of fun party a little bit. But it's it's the, it's, it's, the, a, it's almost you get that feeling of um, there's something nefarious going on here, and I'm I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this is like kind of a thing. Like, you know, somebody goes, "Hey, let's go juggle chainsaws." You're sure. like, oh, that's not going to end well. I think I'll pass. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know? Well, I think, I mean, the painkiller addiction is easy in wrestling because you, know, you guys are constantly sure. in fucking pain. Right. And I think in com- with comedians, it's, yeah, they're in pain too, but yeah, like but emotionally dead, and right. psychologically. Yeah. I've never understood, I mean, for me, I was drinking because uh, I had a lot of pain from childhood, and I was going through survivor's remorse, and I had no idea I was right, going through right, survivor's right, remorse, right? right? Um, but when it came to, like, being on stage, I wasn't really sad. Right. I've never understood in comedy how someone can think of that lifestyle, this lifestyle of going up and performing to people. I've never understood why some comics get sad about it. Maybe it's because they feel they should get famous and they're not famous. Mm. I don't know. Uh, a lot of the times it's problems at home with the marriage. Sure, right. But, like... Misty and I have been able to, you know, she understands, and maybe you just got to find that person that's just like, hey, this is your thing. You know, I'm not going to stop you from doing your thing, though I don't understand it, because right. I believe in you. Uh-huh. And I think if you don't have a partner who believes in yeah, you. Yeah, supports you. In yeah. I'm sure, endeavors. did you ever, did when you were, were married, or, I mean, your current wife, mm-hmm. what did she feel about wrestling? Well, my, I mean, Bridget... My Bridget, wife, Bridget, yeah, my, wife, my wife, that's is always been very supportive on things and never. It's, it's one of the reasons that our marriage has gone so well is because she's allowed me to be me, mm-hmm. and she knows that uh, 
if I don't have some sort of a creative outlet that I'm kind of hard to deal with. And uh, then, then that's when I'm not being creative or if I have a lull in my creation, that's when any sort of addiction or issues in my personality kind of peak. Mm. So when I go out and I'm creative and I'm working hard, that I kind of am a little bit easier to live with. Sure. So she, she was now, however, my first wife. Oh boy. Now, now this is, now we've discussed, we've discussed this before and it's a, it's, we got to walk on eggshells. Okay. Uh, You've said this, not Uh, me. So I'm just reminding you. Okay. But if you are fine, just openly talking about, well, in my in my first marriage, okay, um, I didn't have someone that knew what it was like to have a want to to uh, better to focus on bettering something that you enjoy doing. Sure, and uh, so I and it was a different time, and it, uh, but. But ultimately, when I really got involved in being having some success in the wrestling business, getting a break and having to be on the road all the time, that that's when the marriage fell apart, mm-hmm. and uh, and that you didn't, I didn't feel supported, and uh, and maybe she didn't either. Yeah, you so, got it. Yeah, so and like you know, maybe we had two different goals, and then it all, you know, the divorce happened, and it all worked out, and I had a few years of raising fucking. Hell, and <laughs> why did you I, say I, it I like did, that? I did. did my thirties were hell? my thirties were uh, my thirties. I'd like to go back and live a couple of those years over again because it was like that, it was see, that was fucking fun. Like it was like it was you know it was like uh, it's like uh, Slim Pickens and Doctor Strange Love when he's fucking riding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying when he's riding. When he's riding the bomb, yeah. Yeah, that's the way. A couple years, I had a couple nice. of good <laughs> years in my thirties, early thirties. It was like, woo! Yeah. That was a different time, right? Because my twenties, <laughs> and then I got to like my late twenties. I was like, I gotta stop this shit. Like my early twenties were the wild west. It was right. just, it was uh, partying and living a lifestyle. I thought was fun and exciting to ignore the pain that I was going through. Um, yeah, and I was probably trying to kill some of that too, and you know, in, involving it in you know, drinking and being on the road and d- different women, mm-hmm. and bad relationships, and and you thought you were trying to fix it, but you really you were just kind of going for the ride. I went on the road, uh, uh, fuck, for an extended period of time, uh, about oh five or six years into my comedy career. And that's when I decided this isn't for me. Like I'll I'll go do a show somewhere and fucking I'll drive right. ten hours or ride with a comic ten hours to go do one show, come back. Right. But I will never again. Like maybe a plane go from one city to another, another city, city to, to another, another city. city to another city. Like if I have to, if I get to a point in my life where like that's what I have to do, I'm taking a plane. Um, I've had the I've had the opportunity numerous times to do that extended road yeah shit. like i wouldn't mind doing a couple of weeks of that there's just you know what i'm saying like just to experience it and get back into that on the road kind of mentality i just i couldn't do but it. i would have it would definitely get old really 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 quick i just I, my anxiety i it, it's just i got to recharge at home 
And 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 when I I'm, agree, like when my first time out on the road, it was affecting my performance. It was affecting and and keep in mind, like yeah, I'm still I'm drinking, but like it, it was getting to the point where it's just like I just want to go home. Right. You know, I don't right. even care what we're getting paid over here right. or over there. I just want to be at right. home. Right. And now, you know, I've worked myself in comedy where it's like, okay, I can go on a run here and there, but I, I have other passions. And to keep me happy, I work on the other passions. And then, okay, here, I'm going to do a run of comedy shows over here right. and shit like that. But, like, I couldn't imagine being a wrestler, going on the road for an extended period of time, and going through physical pain. I'm not saying it is, def- it is difficult. I'm not saying the painkiller addiction is necessary. I'm not saying it's good. I get it. I'm not saying it's right. I right. just I get it. Right. What are you checking your phone? You got um, I, checking it, the trades? No. Um, <laughs> there is uh, when you uh, uh, there is a very very good book if you want to know uh, what it's like to be on the road as a comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a uh, a very, very good book uh, by uh, Kyle Kinane. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, called, I, I, I know that it's one. It's called Running the Light. Yeah. And it's a story of a, a formerly big comic that's a who is a road comic and what his life was like is like as his as his career is winding down. And wow. It's a very, it's very, very good. Of course, I'm an audio book guy. If you get a chance, because he can't read, because I'm. I'm fucking dyslexic and I'm a little, and I'm a little retarded. No, 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 running, run, no, no, running the light is uh, by Sam Talent and Calcone. Oh, the forwards by Calcone. Oh, sorry, yeah, Sam. You Talent. are dyslexic because right, there it is in big old words. What does that look like to you? Sorry. Hold on. Uh, I've been, Cal, I'm Cal, interested. Forward by Calcone and Sam Talent. You're right. Yeah, Sam Talent. I actually. Uh, oh. You want to hear something embarrassing? It's a very, very good book. You want to hear something embarrassing? Uh, uh, more embarrassing than uh, saying that a book was written by somebody who wasn't. Um, <laughs> you have dyslexia. I'm, I'm, I'm a little retarded. I'm a little retarded. Um, Sam Talent, yeah, I don't even know if he remembers this. I was running shows out of the Amsterdam bar, and a guy named Tobias Livingston out of Denver, hit me up and said, hey, I've got me and three other comics. Yeah, three other comics. Uh, Kevin O'Brien, very, very funny. David Jabori, who's been on Conan. This is before he was on Conan, and he's kind of blowing up right now. He just got done headlining uh, uh, the riot over in, in, in Houston. And then Sam Talent. And they were like, can we come do the Amsterdam bar? And I'm just like, Fuck yes, my shit. Like, at this point, I'm spiteful and bitter against the clubs that had banned me. So I wanted to prove my worth and prove, hey, I can run fucking shows. And and for a little bit there, I was doing good. Like, I had the Amsterdam Comedy Festival in one of the coldest weekends in Dallas and had the fucking place standing room only. It was a big accomplishment for me. I don't know how my drunken self pulled that off. So when these comics... Uh, contacted me, I was like, fuck yes, this is going to be something different. Here I am, I'm going to book four comics from Denver, and then people are going to be like, what the fuck's Danzy doing, right? Fucking, they showed up, but no one 
in the audience showed up. Like there was no crowd. Oh, and they showed up, and it was. And they was, showed up, and they and there was nothing to perform to, and it was very fucking embarrassing. They were really cool about it. It wasn't the first time it had happened. Sure, I'm sure. Because the way the way that this guy was going around, it was just like, you know, it was a, it was a gamble. Right. I'm not saying he did it wrong. Of course. You know. Right. I don't know how you do it right. Right. You know, but it was a gamble sometimes. And uh, uh, I don't know if Sam Talent remembers that. But uh, uh, we went to Dallas Comedy House right afterwards. And Sam Talent is another one of those people that is just so quick. Right. Nothing to take. I'm not taking anything away from, uh, I think it was Kevin O'Brien, David Jabari, or Tobias. I'm not taking anything away from them. In fact... There was an, actually there was another uh, guy too that I'm leaving out and I forget his name, so his name escapes me. But I think they could all agree that Sam Sam Talent had some fucking talent. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like that guy, it was He's just sharp. like you could look at him and go, "Oh, this guy's fucking going places." Right. Um, but yeah, no, that book. That's a great book. It's a great fucking book. Running the Light with Sam Talent forwarded. So, but I'm interested in your dyslexia for a second. Okay. So, so like, what is your brain, how does your brain um, I, fucking I, show that to you? I look at it, and I, the first name I read, it's the, the first name I see, and, and uh, I, I don't know. It's, like, it's, what do it's the a, letters look a, like? No, it's 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 not a uh, sight thing. It's, it's not, not like what everybody thinks, that you see things backwards. It's like Asperger's. It's a, it's People a, think you just cuss no, randomly. No, it's a, it's a processing di- disorder. Okay. It's from what you read to how it, how it goes through your head. Okay. Or what you see first, or if you see something that uh, if you have, and it's very, and the type of dyslexia that I have, my son's Leland has, it's very anxiety driven. Okay. So, I can relate to that. So uh, if you are reading something and you're not sure about it, that your mind will process it in different ways. So you don't always, and I'm sure the anxiety comes from like when you're a kid and the Absolutely. teacher's about to fucking call Absolutely. you out to read. It's like uh, it's like having a certain talent, and everybody. It's like being very talented at uh, playing a trumpet, but everybody wants you to play a piano. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like you... But you know how to play the trumpet. Yeah, well, I know how to play the trumpet. But Please let me play the trumpet. Yeah, but people are going to say, why can't, can't you play a piano? Yeah. And they go, you know, they're like, it's it's the idea of uh, of asking um, all, the, uh, all the animals in the jungle to be talented at climbing trees mm-hmm. when some of the... Some of the uh, animals or elephants and and buffalo. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's I like, see where you're getting. At. We're only grading you on being able to climb to the top of a tree. Well, who's going to be good at climbing the top of a tree? Cats and monkeys, wow. right? But but they're. But I'd the, be asking who's going to help me get down. Right. <laughs> so it's it's that's, but that like the teacher thing. That's a complex that they don't know they're instilling. And in. they didn't back then. Now they're much, much more aware of it. You want to? Well, you want to hear what my? I've learned this recently. You want to learn what my fucking parents did to me? Uh. Okay, so I'm little. I got a neighborhood, and I got a neighborhood elementary public school. Right? My brother goes there first because he's four years older than me. Right? 
So when my brother's there, I'm still just a fucking, you know, kid. I don't oh, have yeah, school, yeah, fucking party. I don't pay rent. Shit you know. in your dopper, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Underwear. Right. It's just my pants. Right. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's fucking party, baby. Right. So all of a sudden, my fucking brother uh, is starting to go into private school, the Catholic school, right? And uh, I, I remember it's like, why? So we got to go to Catholic school now. So when I start school, I got to go to this Catholic school. Uh, it turned out, and this is 90s. This is like 92. I want to say 92, 91, 92. My parents moved my brother to the Catholic school because the elementary school thought my brother should be in special education. Okay. They thought he should have been in special education. This is 91, 92. They thought he should go to special education because he was doing his work in advance and making good grades. <laughs> but you know what my parents told me was the reason that we had to switch over to private school. They were like, well, well, Dan, you're, you're, you're so short, you're going to get beat up. So my parents give me some fucking complex about my height really early on because... You guys got it. Like, that's fucked up. They switched. So so they took my brother out of that school and put him in Catholic school because they were offended that that school would even imply that my brother was special education, special needs. But, like, at the same time, let's give me a complex. And then I'm wondering why I couldn't ask a girl out to my fucking junior, senior year in high school. So it's it's funny because my childhood was completely and totally opposite Mm -hmm. in knowing that. But the same issues of having a complex because... I'm bigger than everybody else. Sure. And they're like, well. Oh, hey. cry me a fucking river. Oh, Chris. yeah. I mean, you know, but they're like, like now, now on top of that, like being, having a learning disorder like dyslexia and then being the big, then the, being the baby Huey of the fucking group. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. And being alienated because of that, because they think you're fucking, you know, big three, and three dumb or four or years. Or yeah, you're a big yeah. fucking dumb motherfucker. And so, you know, you find that it's 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 crazy. Thank God nowadays. Thank God that we had the ability to take my son and give him good education in a private school that that concentrated on uh, the issues of what dyslexia does to the mind. And now that's how, great. I'm glad I'm glad you're a good parent too. Well, that's, I, I mean, I'm I'm I was like I'm not gonna call my fucking dad today oh, now that I know that everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. But I will say wrestling. Uh, uh, so I was. Because I was told that I was short and people were going to beat me up, I had this complex that I was going to get my ass kicked no matter what. And there wasn't any, like, TV show that had representation of a short guy being a fucking superhero or being a fucking cop or whatever. It was Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko... Um, the God. smaller guys, the lucha, yeah, yeah. WCW, yeah. Taka Michinoku, and right. WWF, where it showed me like, yeah, I can fight, I can still win shit, I can still win fights sure. and shit. So I never had a problem with like fights in high school or or fights in junior high. Yeah, yeah, I lost a couple, but I wasn't scared right. to to do that. Right. Now, fight like in your thirties, fighting is just fucking stupid. Yeah. But uh, there was the complex of oh, girls don't think I'm cute right. or I'm good looking. Yeah. And, you know, and when I, and in my 20s, women didn't help. Like, it, like there were some women that uh, wouldn't date me because I would, uh, you don't, 
you're not going to provide any security. What the f- I can hire some people. I don't. <laughs> we can build a big fence. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, we can install cameras. That's how I took it. But like that complex was inserted in my mind from a generation that needed educating on uh, on anxiety, on basically all these mental things that are going on. But like at the same time, like I don't know. I feel like our parents and our grandparents were just. Well, uh, hey, just, hey, we got through World War II. Let's right. fucking... Yeah, we're right. the greatest fucking generation. Right, right. <laughs> oh, we were born after World War II. We're right. the greatest generation. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's everybody, all kids have their own issues to deal with, and their parents fuck them up in their own special way. But, like, and, I, uh, I, like I see the issues with my dad and how he is, but, like, I don't think he... The way my dad describes his high school... And college life was like the best times of his life. Sure. But it's just like, but you had to have some type of oh, complex. Yeah. And I've just never been able to to uh, point it out. Like my mom, literally, yeah, my mom definitely had a couple of issues. I mean, when alcohol kills you at 45. Right. You know, there was something going on. And I can go back and go, yeah, well, you know, when she was a baby, her parents lost the, the her older brother's. One died of cancer. One got hit by a car. So I don't, and they didn't go to therapy because that that oh, was fuck that no. was not a thing you did in the fifties and sixties was fuck go to no. therapy. So my grandparents did not raise. They didn't do it in the seventies either, <laughs> bro. I don't think therapy became popular until like eighty six. They're like fucking. <laughs> they're like we have alcohol. Drink like a man. Yeah, uh, and I, I think the parenting from my grandparents affected. Her childhood. Sure. They spoiled her, but they didn't discipline her. And then she had a genetic disposition to alcohol. And here my grandmother is throwing a fucking party with a bunch of 13, 14 year olds letting them drink. So my mom was introduced to alcohol. That's fucked up. Really, at the beginning. I mean, it's fucked up. I'm not sad about it. You know, you can't change the past, especially I wasn't there for it. All all I can think to do is just do my best and not fuck my kid up anymore. I'm just saying, we have good frames of reference. Sure. And, and well, better anyway. And Generation X and everything after Generation X, we realize we're not the greatest generation, yeah. and we realize that the generations before us aren't the fucking greatest generation. Yeah, we're all fucked up. <laughs> but that that mindset of like our generation knows what the fuck that affects voting, that affects the political system in this country, and you can kind of make out a blueprint. On where it all went wrong. Yeah, there's, <laughs> and there's, you know, there's a couple dials I wouldn't mind dialing back. But, yeah. But, you know, it's like all in all, I think it's a directional thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, everybody's going to fucking deal with their own shit. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be other issues that, that there's fucking, you know, fucking my dad was born during the fucking depression, man. Yeah. Well, and know? see, at that, but you know, with that... My mom was born during World War Two. You know, it's like. But being born during the Depression, and I, I would like that. I feel like that's a good thing because you you're getting raised in a society that's rebuilding. Mm. So you're taking that, you're taking that, you're absorbing what's going on with your perception of reality, and it's like, and you're learning how to pick yourself up again. Right. So that's why I think that generation well, was it was easier for him to like oh times are hard I'm gonna get myself out of this because I witnessed my the whole country do this you know what I'm saying right. World War Two eh, 
did we? I mean, we needed to. I grew up in we the fifties, so fifties were pretty good fucking time. Really? They well, were? I mean, you know, we still. I love there. Lucy. Was just fucking <laughs> killing it. Everybody had a television. I, everybody had a car. I will say the, the through the fifties and the seventies, that was some of the best fucking television well, ever made. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. You, you guys were entertained. Exactly. You know? Yeah, thank God. It was I, quality thank entertainment, God, thank too. Thank God I had a television because no, I, I didn't have very many friends. Really? You didn't have <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. No, no, no. Why no you're fucking, I was a latchkey kid. Yeah? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was six years old. Yeah. You were fucking six, big. Six, well, yeah. Six years old. Fucking with. You didn't have any, like, ban- small ban- Bandages or? on my knuckles from dragging them. Yeah, yeah, and, but you didn't uh, have any small kids trying to make friends with you? Oh, no. I mean, I have friends that don't get oh. me wrong, but the point was is that, you know, it was the back in the 70s, that's when, uh, that was that was the time when both parents started to go back to work. Sure. Okay. So now my both my parents are working, and I'm, you know, in first and second grade with a key around my neck. And fucking, I go Because that's home. what you did with your house key you, back yeah, in the day. It's you, you didn't have to worry about someone right, just... Right. You know, so you fucking put the key. The mom ties the key around your neck with a fucking, mm-hmm. you know, piece of string, and and you go home and you lo- unlock the fucking door. It you gives the sexual. You see, it gives the sexual predators a choice <laughs> of venue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got a key around. That oh, was a good fucking time. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> he was a good guy. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. No, but the. Times drastically different. What do you even remember? What wrestling was like back in the day? Nah, man. When you were growing up watching it. Well, I did back. At, well, I did when I got old enough to really pay attention to it. You know, in my in my teens. So, but uh, who was? I don't think I've ever asked you this question. But who was the one wrestler that draw that drew you in? Like me, it was Sting. Well, from well, for me, it had to have been the the Freebird Von Eric feud. Okay. You know, that was probably... And that's later in your 15, life. 15, 16. Yeah, 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 15, 16, when it really became real popular. And then, of course, uh, at 16 would be in 84. That was... that My dad took me to to the... Uh, uh, to the Stafford Coliseum and... in at the State Fair, Texas. By the way, I'm sorry. And I put just Italian to here, watch uh, WrestleMa- the first WrestleMania on closed circuit television. But, you know, it'd become popular. And I was, my, my grandmother, my dad's mother, was a huge wrestling fan. And she was a huge fan of Fritz von Erich. Mm-hmm. And a huge fan of guys like Duke Kiyomuku, who was an island wrestler. And, uh, you know. Pacific, uh, Pacific yeah, Islander? And, oh. uh, you know, uh, hated guys like, uh, oh, you know, she loved, uh, you know, Bugsy McGraw and, you know, all those guys from the 70s. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, I digress. No, that's, no, the, see, that's the kind of, that's the kind of shit we should be talking about because wrestling's great again and there's nothing to bitch about. There's, yeah. there's nothing well, to bitch about. Lucky, Vince I, is gone, baby. We're lucky. I think we're going in the right direction. Vince is gone, baby. The promised land is ever so closer. I don't know the ultimate peak of wrestling, but it wasn't, it wasn't the Attitude Era. Yeah, and we we need to get to that next level. And when Vince took back over the reins, when there was no more competition, I mean, the Carrion Cross guy is a perfect example. I saw a still like a picture by picture comparison of his of Vince's debut for him, and then last Friday, and Vince's debut for him, he's got like straps 
that go here. He looks like a fucking 90s character, yeah. and they wonder why he didn't go over. Plus, Vince had him lose to Jeff Hardy in less than a minute. That was his debut. And then you look at the SmackDown debut. He's got hair, fucking uh, uh, 7 o'clock shadow, whatever the fuck they call Five it. 5 o'clock shadow. Yeah, 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 whatever. And then leather jacket and fucking looks like a badass. And... It was just very reminiscent of a character from the Attitude Era right there when it was, yeah, like the Attitude Era had some entertainment to it, but when it came down to the matches, that was fucking pro wrestling. Sure. You know? I agree. And we have Steve Austin just fucking killing it, being the top guy, even though he was like... Yeah, when you you see, especially on the uptick of what became the Attitude Era with guys like... Wanting to be impressive in their matches, like the match uh, between Austin and Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like those type of, like you're like, hey, you know, hey, motherfucker, follow this. That kind of attitude. Yeah. So hopefully that's that's where we're going back to. So um, I wanted to add this new little thing to our podcast where we just where we recommend something in wrestling or in comedy, uh-huh. whichever. We just recommended a book. Um, I saw this documentary, and I kind of want to ask you about it. You might have some knowledge in it. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's this documentary called uh, The... Oh, shit. Shit! Okay. It's on WWE Network, <laughs> and it's the greatest... I think it's like the greatest match never seen or the, the lost tape. It's got Bret Hart on the cover. Okay. So look for Bret Hart on the cover, but it is about this, this, au- this audition match. With Bret Hart and the guy auditioning, Tom McGee, right? Okay. okay. And it's Tom McGee's audition match. But Vince... I think I have seen this. Okay. So and Tom McGee's like a big muscle head, right? Yeah, it's... He, I'm Look, I'm not going to call him a muscle head. Because uh, Vince was really big on him. Right. Like All he right? Was, he he, he saw thought, him and thought he was going to be the new Hulk Hogan, right? Thought he was going to be the next Hulk Hogan. Right. And God damn it, you look at this dude and you see it. And I see it. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I can see why Vince would think that. And Brett gets in there and really tries to put him over well, right? Brett puts him over so well, Vince is like fucking sold that this guy's the he next Hulk Hogan. He doesn't realize. He doesn't realize. It's all Brett doing His everything. future face of the company is this guy because <laughs> Brett was so goddamn good. Sure. But a- this documentary... So they tell them, <laughs> they do it during TV, right? But they right. say, we're not going to broadcast right. this. Right. They still record it. Right. The documentary is about, <laughs> because for those, for the, for the kind of the younger wrestling fans back in the day, and I had to do this, so I'm, I'm a little bit old in, in, <laughs> okay. in wrestling. You had to tape trade. Sure. I remember I traded, and this is terrible, I traded my copy of Over the Edge the night Owen died. For like uh, a rare ECW pay per view, but it does, and let me defend myself. I did not like having a tape right, of Owen dying. dying. Okay, when I was recording over the edge, did I think anybody? No, right. of course not. Right. But I that's what that what that's what tape trading was. Sure, you know, this was the one copy of this tape, and no tape trader could find this match because they still had the match recorded. It didn't and you had yet. recorded it. But it was one of the greatest fucking matches ever made. And at the end of this documentary, they show the match. And God damn it, the hype is real. I like, saw it. Yeah. Like, it is I a great I've match. I don't remember the title, but I definitely recommend this documentary on the WWE and Network. And if you want to see, because you, if you want to see how good Bret Hart really is. Wow. Now, listen, uh, sometimes when we would, 
do shows, especially here in Dallas when I was a young guy, a couple, maybe three years, three or four years in. They would put me with a guy like that. Mm-hmm. That they knew looked like a million dollars and had a 10-cent brain. Mm. And didn't know, didn't want to learn the wrestling business, didn't care about the wrestling, but they wanted to get him over. Yeah. And I wrestled guys like that. And they Was knew it always could, aggravating to wrestle guys? No, 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 because you knew the job you were doing was what the promoter wanted and that you knew honestly there's a, probably about a 99% chance that this guy's not going to go anywhere anyway. Yeah. And you would finish a match like that and go to the back and the boys would look at you like, holy shit, I can't believe you made something out of that piece mm-hmm. of shit, you know? And then when you see s- some of the boys would come over and sit next to you after that and go, oh, you really made that motherfucker look good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's that a good feeling. Good feeling. So, yeah, that was a good feeling. Especially so I don't. I didn't get that vibe from Tom McGee that he was just kind of half-ass in wrestling. But he didn't know the business. He, he didn't, didn't know, know the business. He wasn't a wrestler. And the and more was, matches that he had. But he was a very athletic guy. He could very. do backflips and oh, stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they had more matches with him, and Vince could see the forest from the trees. Sure. But still, he, you know, I, Vince was just like, well, why was that first match so good? And then that's when Brett, Brett gets that's his fucking yeah. shot. Beautiful documentary. Yeah, it's good. Um, we're going to end it on there. We have a new cue, by the way, on the County Lights podcast when it's time to end the podcast, and it's Sally pooping in her kennel. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, we've got social media that you need to check out. Uh, go to Twitter and follow us. At counting underscore lights, Facebook.com slash counting lights podcast, TikTok at counting lights podcast, or send us an email at counting lights podcast at gmail.com. Uh, like I said, our wrestling show is on hold because, humble brag, we got to find a bigger venue. Bam! Thank you guys for coming out and seeing our shows. And once we have a new venue, we will let you know. But we have a new comedy show venue, the Dallas Elks Lodge, September 17th, 7 p.m., Sam Damaris headlining, featuring Chris Germany, Angelo, and, and myself. Uh, tickets for that. Go to the County Lights Podcast Facebook or our individual Facebooks, and we'll have all the website information where you can order tickets and get on this. Chris, am I leaving anything else? No, thanks. All righty. This is the County Lights Podcast. He's Chris Germany. That's Dan Danzy. And this is, yet again, the County Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up. <laughs>